0: on the cross and raised from the dead, and he told his, his you know, um, disciples that they were going to continue on his ministry, and he told them he's been, he going to give them his Holy Spirit, and so he, he meets with them the gain of Acts and says, you know, they're like, hey, is this the time? And they, he goes, it's not for you to know the time and circumstances, but you wait here until you receive power, um, and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And he basically says, the stuff that I was doing, you're going to be doing. And so he calls us to be disciples, to be followers of Christ, and to make disciples. So that's what we're talking about, that God calls us to be his disciples and to make disciples. And so what we're doing is, is we're going through this book of Acts, we're looking at each chapter and saying, What can I learn about what it means to be a disciple? Not, not in some technical sense of, of, you know, a disciple is but, but in a real sense. What does it mean to really follow Christ? does that look like, and what does it mean to make disciples? That basis, um, you got it? okay. now um, what does it mean to make disciples? And, I, and again, I don't mean some formal, formal program. I'm going to pop this off for one second. Oh, you got it. I don't mean some formal program that, that we have a curriculum that says I can only make a disciple by doing these eight steps following this one program. What I mean by making disciples is that we are influencing people to follow. Christ. that may be people who have not heard the name of Christ before. It may be people who are struggling, people who are reading the Bible looking to learn more about Christ. It may be people who are followers of Christ, who are needing encouragement to grow. But making disciples is influencing others to follow Christ. that's how we do it. So we're looking at this whole act saying, how can I learn from this book about being a disciple, someone who personally follows, and what can I learn about the role that God has given me to be an influencer, to carry on the ministry that so that it would spread all over the world. So people would have this wonderful privilege of hearing and have the opportunity. I'll try back on again. Have the opportunity. There we go. Um, to be able to come into relationship with Christ. To have forgiveness in relationship. So that's what we're doing. We've so been walking through um, the book of Acts doing that. And today I asked you about what role do you have. And I heard different roles from like mine taking out the garbage or, or feeding a pet or, or you're going to school, or being a parent. We all, we all have these, these little things that we, that we may do. Uh, we have different roles and responsibilities. I, I sort of jokingly shared. I don't know if I have time to share my. I have time. Okay. One of my roles was the wide-mouth frog joke. So, so, so when our, when our kids would have people over to our house, they'd say, oh, dad, tell the wide-mouth frog joke. So I'll tell it real quick. And this, I, I have, I have the junior high level of humor. And that's stretching it. If you're in junior high, you'll probably be offended by this joke. Okay, So I, I don't know what grade humor I have. But in any case, wide mouth frog joke. So this is my job. They invite over kids, and they say, Dad, tell your wide mouth frog joke. I go, okay. So there's a wide mouth frog, and he was very curious. And he would always ask, he was curious about food. So he'd ask the different animals what would they eat. And so, so he's out hopping along. This is a weird place he lived, because they had all sorts of weird animals. And so, so he's hopping along one day, and he sees this giraffe. And he goes, Mr. Giraffe! What do you eat?" And the giraffe goes, "Oh, I'm so tall. So I can eat off trees. I can get the leaves off the top of trees, and it's just delicious up here. I can see over the land. and oh, he's like, "Thank you." And so then he just hops, he hops. My wife is laughing. That's, that's all that matters. Okay. <laughs> then he hops along, and he sees a bunny. And he goes, "Mr. Bunny, what do you eat?" And the bunny goes, oh, I just hop along the ground. And I, I eat leaves off the trees. And oh man, if I can find a carrot, oh, it's awesome. If someone leaves like a little bit of apple, I'll just go crazy on it. I just love that. And, he, and Mr., you know, the little wide mouth frog goes, thank you. And so he's hopping along and he talks to several other animals. But he eventually comes up to an alligator. Comes up to the alligator. He goes, Mr. Alligator, what do you eat? The alligator goes... Wide-mouth frogs, and he goes, thank you. <laughs> so that's my wide-mouth frog joke. <laughs> okay, so. So my job was to tell that joke when we had friends come over that we're all when our kids were young and we would all laugh ah, and then we'd all feel comfortable because dad can make an idiot of himself, you know, and then we'd have a fun evening, you know, we'd just hang out and have a good time. So that, 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 was, that was one of my roles, it was one of our family traditions, I would just tell the, the wide-mouth frog joke. So now you all know the wide-mouth frog joke, you can officially have that role in your family if you so desire or you can just forget you ever heard it. Um, but but that, was, that was just something I and it was actually fun. You know, you can just sort of fun, get laughing, have a good time together, eat a meal together, have books of your house, and it was just great. That was just part of what we did. Uh, we lived overseas, and it was, just, it was just a lot of fun. So um, that was a role that I actually had fun doing. Um, and we all, we all have all these different roles in life. Sometimes our roles are fun, sometimes they're I, mean, I, I enjoyed the white mouth frog role more than I enjoyed the taking out the trash role. Um, you know, some roles are fun, some roles are not that fun. Um, but we all have these different roles and things we do. And they're important. And they play a part of who we are and what we accomplish. And the concept I want to get to today is that um, God has a role for us. And we're going to see in this passage the role that Paul understood that he had from Christ. I just, yeah. Um, And so we're going to have this main point of, you know, we want to be faithful to Christ and the task that he's given us. And there's a sense that God has roles for us. God has things for us to actually do. And and those things are important. And and, and it it, it doesn't really matter who you are. I mean, there's stories in the Bible. I mean, my goodness. You know, Jesus meets the Samaritan woman. He meets the woman at the well who who has just, if she's there by herself in the middle of the day because like she's not going to be around other people, she's like shunned. And Jesus gets to know her story and and she's and he's he's like, Oh he says, Go get your husband. She's like, Oh, I don't really have a husband. He's like, Yeah, you're right about that. You had five, and the one you're living with now is not your husband. And he lets her know right where she was. But he offers her life. He says, if you drink the water that I give, it'll bu- bu- bubble up inside you, and you'll have eternal life. And she's like, Oh my goodness! And so she ran to tell the village, and the whole village heard about Christ says, Come see this guy. She had a role. She had a role for the whole town to meet and be introduced to Jesus. So don't think this morning, you know, oh, some people in this room that are dressed nice and come from the right background, they have a role, but I don't. Or, or don't think that this role thing is for somebody else. God has roles and things for each of us to do. And so today we're gonna, we're gonna look at some of the, the we're gonna look at some examples from Paul. And what Paul's doing is, Paul, is, he's been traveling all around him. He's been on like two full missionary journeys. Now he's on his third one. He's starting across central Turkey. And he's been there. And now he's come across Ephesus. And he's, he's spent like three years there. And now he's about to head around to Macedonia and Greece and then go back to Jerusalem. He's, he's all over the place. But right now what's happening is he's on his way back towards Jerusalem. And, and he's going to stop by Ephesus. And he didn't want to get totally waylaid. And go to Ephesus because he, he lived there for three years and he has so many relationships. and so we, we, He didn't say why he didn't want to go there, but he's trying to get back to Jerusalem in time. And so instead of stopping at Ephesus, he stops at the next port down and says, have the elders come meet me and I can talk to them and then I'm going to go on to Jerusalem. And but what he does is he shares with the elders of the church in Ephesus some key things. And, and, we, and we learn about Paul's relationship with them and how he really impacted them. And what I hope is that that as we look at how Paul interacted with them and all the different other people in the story, we're going to say, hey, look, I want to be that same way like Paul. I want to be somebody who's faithful to Christ, and I want to be faithful to the task that he's given me. I got a lot of options in life. I got a lot of things that I can choose to do. I got a lot of things where I can pour out my energy, but you know, at the core, that's what I want to do. I want to do that. So we're going to be encouraged to do that as we look at this example of Paul. Now, now this, in this passage, I'm, typically the way I do a sermon is I read the whole passage, and then I walk through the whole passage again. Okay, there's not enough time for that. So I'm going to read it, and as I read through the first part, I'm going to sort of summarize a couple things, and then when I get through the main part, I'm going to stop there and sort of teach that, okay? And so we'll do it a little bit differently today, um, j- just in, in a matter of time, and so we can focus on this passage. Because my... My hope really coming out of this is that we'll see some things from Paul um, that will really encourage us and help us as we desire to be disciples and make disciples. That we'll be able to step back and say, okay God, I, I, I want to follow you. And I want to do what you have for me. I want to, I want to be a disciple, and want to make disciples. I want to be a follower of Christ. I want to do the tasks that you've given me. Because we each have things for God that God has given us to do. Each one of us. Each one of us. And so that's what we're going to do. Is we're going to walk through this passage and do that together. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts 20. It'll be, the words will be up on the screens as well. Um, in stereo. Stereo words. Um, so, But I'll read it. And so the, the first section, Paul's going to be talking about um, his travel plans. And he's going to be listing out a bunch of people. And I want you to, to notice something, just, just as, I, as I even, I'm going to talk about these people, that these people are from all the places Paul has been. Okay? And so I'm going to read it and I'm going to sort of go back and highlight that. But one of the things we're going to see is if we're going to be faithful to Christ and we're going to be following the task that he has us to do, it's going to be in relationship with other people. It's not going to be Lone Ranger. It's not going to be by ourselves. It's not going to be just this, you know, me and God and we're just great. It's going to be me and community. Me and the body. Me being in relationship. And so we're going to read that part real first. Okay. And and, uh, So Started, it was coming off of Ephesus, where Paul was going to stay. He sent the people ahead of him. He was going to stay in Ephesus, but then the whole uproar in the, the, the theater, and they all were like, great is Artemis of the Ephesians, and Paul had to flee. And so that's what he's referring back to. He says, when the uproar had ended, that big thing in Ephesus, um, Paul sent the disciples, and after encouraging them, said goodbye and set out for Macedonia. He traveled through that area, speaking many words of encouragement to the people, and finally arrived in Greece, where he stayed three months. Because some Jews plotted against him just as he was about to sail for Syria, he decided to go back through Macedonia. He was accompanied by Sopater, son of Pyrrhus, from Berea, Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby; Timothy also Antichicus and Trophimus from the province of Asia. Now, can I have a volunteer to read all those names and locations? No, no, okay, sorry. Okay. Um, <clears throat> And he said, these men went on ahead and waited for us at Troas, but we sailed to Philippi after the festival of unleavened bread, and five days later, we joined them at Troas, and we stayed for seven days. Now, actually, all these people that he lists, each one from different cities, if you remember, so let's see if we can talk about these cities. Okay, so he comes up to Sopater, son of Pyrrhus, from Berea. Okay, remember Berea? Berea was the one by Thessalonica in Macedonia. Those are the guys, remember the, the characteristics of the people in Berea? They were more noble because they, anybody Remember? They actually looked at the word. Paul spoke to them and they were more noble than Thessalonians because they compared what Paul said to actually the scriptures. And so we had, here's somebody that, from, from that church in, in, in Berea that came. And then you have Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica. That was the church right next to Berea is also in Macedonia. Um, and then you have um, Gaius from Derby, and he says Timothy also. Timothy was probably from Lystra. He picked, he picked up Timothy in Lystra. It's a town right by Derby, and that's over in central Turkey. Okay, so we got two guys from Turkey. Two turkeys. No, um, two guys from Turkey. A couple guys from Macedonia. And then in, um, and then you have the guys from the province of Asia. And that, that's what they typically refer to where Ephesus is on the, on the coast. Okay? So he's got all these different people with him. Now, a part of the reason that he may, it may have been because, as we learn from Second Corinthians, Paul went around and actually took up a, an offering from the churches in Asia, which is Ephesus. Macedonia, which is Thessalonica. Um... Philippi and um, Berea, and then down into Greece, which is Corinth and Athens, that area. And he actually took a collection from the Gentiles to take back to the church to help the poor in Jerusalem, the social union. So, so they may have been with him as, as they were sort of representatives of these churches saying, hey, we're all one, and we want to help the church in Jerusalem. But they also were with him because Paul had a habit of inviting people to be with him. Paul had a habit of being in personal relationship with people. Remember we talked about the story of, of Priscilla and Aquila? They they had fled, um, and they were down in you know Athens, and then Paul sent them over to Ephesus. He says hey let's go together over to Ephesus, and Paul was there just for one week, and he left and he left them there. Remember Paul picked up Timothy in Derby, this this city of huge persecution, and he brought him with him um, on, on his entire journey. Paul, remember the first journey it was Paul and Barnabas, and they had John Mark. Second journey it was Paul and Silas. And then they picked up Timothy. There's all these people, and we're not even told about Titus. He's been sending, it's not written in Acts, but he's sending Titus back and forth to help with all the problems in the church in Corinth. He's sending him back and forth, and this time he's also writing letters to the church in Corinth. Paul invests in people. And he has people that he works together with. Even though Paul's a very public Figure. even though Paul is the kind of person who can go in a synagogue and preach Paul is someone who can go into the Areopagus into this, this massive place of debate in Athens and can go toe to toe with the philosophers of the day he is a very personal person he has relationships with people that he's with and actually as we get to the end of this chapter where, where it says Paul he tells him he's no longer, he's, he, when he's talking to the Ephesians he leaves he goes and I'll never see you again this is the thing that grieved them most was his statement that they would never see him again Paul invested in relationship. And I just want us to see that if we're going to be disciples and we're going to make disciples, no matter how public our ministry, no matter how introverted we may be or how whatever, if we don't do it in relationship with people, we're actually missing something. When Paul's going now to talk to this church in Ephesus, probably no one there has been a believer more than five years. Because Paul went over to Ephesus did the one day stop, dropped over Priscilla and Aquila, one week stop, then left and went back, you know, continued on to Corinth, was there for two years, then he came back, he was in Ephesus for three years, and now he's on this journey, he's coming back to say goodbye to them and leaving. So when he's calling elders from this church, most of the elders from this church have been believers far less time than any of you have been believers. And they are the leaders of this church. And the people traveling with Paul, people who have been believers just a, a little while. Remember in, in, in the book of Timothy, and Paul writes Timothy, he goes, don't let anyone look, look down on you because of your youth, but set an example for the believers of speech, faith, life, love, and purity. He's saying, look, so these are young. Some are young in age. Some are young in faith. But in community, they are growing in their dependence and their knowledge and love of Christ. And that's what we're to do. That's hard for me, and that's hard for you, probably. We're in a culture that values independence. We're in a culture where everybody on our street has one of everything. And we just don't depend on one another as far as it is possible with us. But when we do that, we lose the opportunity to grow and to encourage one another to be disciples and to make disciples. We had a funny example when we were in Turkey this trip. It, was, it actually was funny. Um, we were in Izmir. In Izmir, downtown Izmir. Great city. You ever want to move to a great city? Izmir's a great city on the coast. 45 minutes from Ephesus. Um, it's just cool city laid back. Istanbul's crazy. 14 million people. Izmir, not that it's much smaller. You know, a few million. Great city. Parking's very bad. Very bad. So we're we're having lunch with one of our, breakfast with one of our kavalta. It's this great Turkish thing for breakfast. great tradition. You guys remember when we come to Turkey, we'll have kavalta together. But so you you have this sort of meal of all these little dishes for breakfast. And so we we, we parked the car, and we're with the gal who lives there in Izmir. So we parked the car, and then we go off. Little did we know that she's known for like getting her car, getting tickets, getting her car towed. We didn't know that. We assumed that she'd know where to park. So we parked the car. Yeah, we pull it in there. Just squeeze it in there. It's a little Ford Fiesta stick shift. Just squeeze it in. Do, 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 do. We go have breakfast with her. We come back. And we get to the corner. And Teresa goes, car's gone. I'm like, huh? Maybe this is the right corner, hon. And of course she's right, you know. And she's like, Tim, there's only one Marks and Spencer probably. And it's right across the street. And I, don't, I doubt there's another Marks and Spencer within a block. You know, I look at my, look at my little Google thing. And I pinned it. Yep, this is it. <laughs> and there's no car. No car at all. And so we had the opportunity. So here we go. So I can call... My staff, st- I have like two couples with, four, one couple with four kids, one couple with one kid and one single gal that we just had breakfast with. So I could call them and say, help, I don't speak Turkish, help me find my car. But we said, hey, let's see how God provides, talk to some Turks here locally, we don't speak Turkish, but let's see how it'll work. Maybe this is an opportunity for us to have a relationship or build a relationship with somebody. Or something. So we, so we, the guy in the corner, we're looking around for our car, and the guy in the corner store obviously sees that we're totally lost, and he's like talking to us in Turkish, and it's not helping. But we're like, car, you know, it's gone, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, it's gone, you know, and so we're doing all this, you know, you know, like okay, he's like, you know, police, you know, you know, and we're like, okay, so we have got to go to the police to pay, and then we got to go to the. Impound lot to pick it up, and and then they try to get a taxi driver to help us, and and then he's sort of trying to help, and and then we go to, and he's like not that interested in helping, and not that helpful, and then a lady comes down who lives upstairs, and she she's like sort of an exercise gear. I don't know if she had like was about to exercise or just was just dressed that way that morning. Who knows? But she came down, and, and she they, and they said, oh, she the store owner goes, oh, she speaks some English, so they brought her over, and she was so helpful. Her name was Edje. Uh, um, and, and she just, oh, let me help you. And so she, she, of course, all the rental car documentation is where? In the rental car! So always take a picture of your license tag and a picture of the paper so you have it with you. I didn't do it this time. Mistake. So, but, so I knew the rental car company and what the car was. So she called, she got it, you know, she talked to the guys. And actually the rental car company, since they owned it, we couldn't go pick it up. Blah, 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 blah. Long story short, she ended up helping us and told us where to go to pick up the car. And we went to pick up the car. Turns out this lady and her husband are the exact st- same stage in life with one of our staff couples that lives in town. This lady has, she lived in the States for a year. She has a degree in psychology. They have a 19-month-old kid. Wow, isn't that interesting? One of our staff couples here, they have a 21-month-old, I think, kid, or 19, 19 also, exactly, 19-month-old. She has a degree in psychology. And, you know, they have that one kid. They're living here. Huh. Huh, interesting. Would you be, we have some friends that are just like your same stage in life, just as old as you are with the same kid, the same degree. Do you think you, would you guys like to meet Oh, I'd love to meet them. <laughs> we'll set you up. But that was because of relationship. All we did is we said, hey, we're going we're, we're, we're to try to see what happens when we just depend on these folks and talk and get in a relationship and see what happens. And God made a connection. Sometimes we like to be so independent, sometimes we like to be so self sufficient that we say, I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going to do everything on my own. And God sort of has other plans at times. But that's enough on that. Okay, man, I got stuck there. I didn't even get down. Okay, next story I'm going to skip verses 7 to 12. This is when Eutychus is listening to Paul preach and he falls asleep and falls out of the window and dies. Three stories. True story. It's in the Bible. Paul goes down, heals them, gets up, everybody's happy. Moral of the story is, if you have a tendency to fall asleep in church, don't sit in a window. Second moral of the story, if someone gives you a hard time falling asleep in church, say, I'm just following the biblical example of Eutychus. <laughs> okay, no, okay, forget that. It was midnight. But go on. Verse, whatever verse that is, me and my eyes are struggling today. 13. It says, we went ahead to the ship and sailed to Asos, and there we met Paul, took him aboard, kept going down, I'm going to skip down to 17. For my lead is Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders. When they arrived, this is what he said. Listen to how personal this is. He says, you know how I lived the whole time when I was with you. You know. Okay, it's pretty. It sounds like he's in a relationship with them, right? You know how I lived when I was with you. From the first day I came to the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears. In the midst of severe testing, about by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, that have taught you publicly and from house to house. It's like I taught you in the synagogue, I taught you where, and we actually met in your house in small groups. We met and did church together. We were in relationship. I've declared to both the Jews and the Greeks that they must turn to God and repent and have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. He doesn't say, oh, I know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that flowers and clouds and gummy bears and all sorts of things are waiting for me. No. Prison and hardships. And look at verse 24. Verse 24. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. And then he goes on to talk more about um, the church and how they need to protect the church. and There's great stuff in here about how they're supposed to shepherd the church. But I just want to pause there how Paul says, look, verse 24. However, I consider my life worth nothing. For my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given to me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now, Paul had a unique ministry. Paul was, I mean, from the time of his calling in Acts chapter 9... Ananias says, remember when Ananias was told by God to go put his hands on Paul? He's like, Do You know what this guy's done? Do you know who he is? God's like, yeah, like, I don't know. You know. Yes, I know, but I have selected this man. He will, he will be my witness to the kings and to the rulers and to the Gentiles and also to the Jews. And I will show him how much he must suffer for mine had a particular calling to be his itinerant man who went from place to place and shared the good news of Jesus Christ and raised up young believers in their faith to gather together in churches and to take leadership and to own the responsibility for, 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 for walking and being disciples and making disciples. That was his task. Then he talks to the elders that he leaves behind. Listen to this. He says, verse 25, he continues, he goes, now I know that some of you among you have, you know, I've gone around preaching the kingdom. I will never, I will never see me again. I, I read that all wrong. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. He goes, um, they'll never see me again. Says, Therefore, I, I, I declare you, I'm innocent of the blood. I've, I've not hesitated to, to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Then he says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. He talks about how savage wolves will come, and even from your own people will distort and arise. He goes, so be on guard. Remember, for three years I never stopped warning you night and day. Now I commit you to the grace and word of God, which can build you up. So he tells them as well, he says, hey, your task as elders, your task as leaders, shepherd that church. He says, first, he goes, goes, watch out for yourselves first. And then shepherd your body as well. So do, do both of those. Shepherd the people under your care and watch out for yourselves. Be on guard. Now each one of us in this room has some sort of task. I don't know what it is. You, you may be a Paul. You may be like you may be like the Apollos you know, the guy we talked about a couple weeks ago who, who was very gifted in speaking publicly that Priscilla and Quilla had over for lunch and instructed him the right way. Or you may be like Priscilla and Quilla to open your home for people. Or you may be like Paul To declare openly the word of God. Or you may be like the elders. Who are responsible to shepherd those around them. Or, 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 or. But you have a task from God. And let me just say this. Think. That this task from God. May require some sacrifice. It may include. Hardship. It may be difficult. It may take intention. Just sit on that for a second. As an American Westerner, we feel we have the right to security, health, wealth, Entertainment, and ease. I know I do. But God may have plans for us and tasks for us that cause us to lower those values in our eyes and to not make those the number one priority. That's what I love. Is just, it's just, I, I love when we've been hearing stories and you know, talking to folks in small groups about how God is using them in their neighbor's lives. In their coworkers' lives. In their schoolmates' lives. That's what it's about. So I just want to challenge each one of us to say, hey, look. I want to be faithful to Christ and I want to do the task that he's given me. I, I want to be a part of him of him impacting this world. I want to be a part of him, of being a disciple and helping him make disciples. And I just want to ask each one of us to say, hey God, what is the task you have for me? What is it that you have for me to do? What's one thing that you have for me as I play a role in your kingdom? What is that? And I'm going to be willing to do it. I'm gonna be willing to take a step of faith. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be willing to say, "Hey, God, I, I I'm willing to trust you and move forward in this." That's what we gotta do. That's what He calls us to do. I'm gonna take a second and pray. And while we pray, just, let's just let's just ask the Holy Spirit to to speak to us. Just bow your heads, and I'll bow mine. And God, we we we're just people. None of us are the Apostle Paul. None of us are people that, that you know, are writing Scripture. And But just as you had Paul bring your message into, into places and, and, and to work with people who made tents, work with people who, who, who did all sorts of stuff and share with them the good news and then they embraced it. And said, This is what I'm all about. I'm yours, God. I want to do what you have for me to do. Help us to be the same today in the midst of a culture where the gospel may feel to us as old and stale sometimes, may not feel as new news. God, help us see the reality. the priority should be nothing less than following you. And that you have something for each one of us. God, give us hearts that can truly say, God, what will you have for me? What role do you have for me to play in your kingdom? What relationship do you have for me to invest in? God, we want to be a community that pursues you and represents you and declares you because we believe in you. Thank you for this example of Paul and for the church in Ephesus. Help us to follow you and do the task that you've given us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.